0: Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Alright, wonderful. So we're continuing this series on um, praise, and um, well, we're talking about what real worship is. We laid the foundation at the beginning, what real worship is in God's eyes, and we believe it's a, it's a, it's a life of obedience. So it's not just singing or praising or giving thanks to God. Um, That's a expression of worship. But worship, um, another great definition is worship is to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. That's why you can honor with extravagant love and and, and extreme submission to anything. It It doesn't have to be the living Lord, the living God. It could be. Sport, it can be money, it could be women, it could be yourself, it could be pleasure, it could be laziness. Some people worship with extreme, you know, extreme love and um, extreme submission to laziness. It could be anything. It's usually because of their own flesh. They just leave, they, they serve themselves. So we, we've established that. What I really want to talk about this morning is praise establishes his kingdom. Now his kingdom's already established in heaven. But as we praise, His kingdom is established on earth. And we'll talk about how that works now. But when you think about it, because Jesus told us and explained to us, when you pray, pray, our Father, so it speaks relationship, addressing God as Father, our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. That's praising. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus taught us to pray your kingdom to come on earth as your kingdom is already established in heaven. So as we praise, I believe it's one of the most powerful weapons we have to establish God's kingdom. What we even did today as we worship, maybe it wasn't, uh, you, some, of, some of us weren't used to that, but that is establishing God's rule and God's reign, because that's what God's kingdom is. It's God's rule and God's reign in our life and around us. We'll talk about that in a moment. Psalms 18 verse 3 is our foundation scripture for this morning. It says this, Psalms 18 verse 3, David says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. Everybody say worthy to be praised. To be praised. When you and I get a revelation of the Lord is worthy to be praised, it's like worship should be spelled worth-ship. Worth-ship, He's worthy of our praise and then what it says the next thing it says so shall i be saved from mine enemies so i will call upon the lord because he is worthy to be praised so shall i be saved from my enemies the problem with us in the western world and in the most cases all of us as human beings is we get this revelation we go wow if i praise god i'm going to be saved from my enemies i mean come on who hasn't thought that before and right now, I'm being attacked. Right now, I'm, I'm going through hard times. Right now, I'm going through stuff or whatever it is. It could be anything. And if I praise God, He's going to set me free. It's like, almost saying like this. If I praise God, I will uh, feel better. It'll help me. I praise God so I can feel goosebumps. I love it when, when I get touched by God. We've got to be careful. I mean, it's, it's, it all happens. That, that's just a expression, that happens when we do this. But the problem is when we, when we get our eyes off God's worthiness and we worship because we want to be set free, then we're no longer worshipping. Does that make sense? Because now I'm worshipping to manipulate God. And I'm telling you now, you can never ever manipulate God. You can never say, I'm going to worship, because what, what can you give to God in exchange so that He can do something for you? It's never about that. Even if it's, oh, I want to feel good, I'm feeling a bit down, I'm going to worship. I mean, we engage because He's worthy, and we engage because I want to know Him. And a lot of times when we are feeling down and going through hard times, it does motivate us to go to God. I understand that. Fully, it happens. We will go to God. But we go to Him on the basis that He is worthy to be praised. And all over the Scriptures, it establishes this truth because if we in the Western world worship God when everything is right and everything is just beautiful, the, I love the air conditioning. It's just perfect temperature for my comfortability. And I love the music. It, it's not too loud. It's not too soft. It's just, I love sitting here because it's perfect. A comfortable seat. We, oh, I love the way they, oh, the way Leon just tickles in, on this, what do you call it? <laughs> ivory, ivory keyboard. It's just beautiful the way he does it. And the drums, It just, everything's just perfect. And now I'm ready to engage. Is that really? Worship. Worship is worshiping God because He's worthy of our praise. And when we, when we come into God, this is the way it works. When we come to God because He's worthy to be praised, we shall be set free from our enemies. We will be set free from feelings that are depressive or anxiety or worry or stress. Darkness and light can't stay together. So when you worship the King who is light, as you pre- come into His presence, darkness flees. But the motive and the heart has to be, I come to Him, for Him. Not just to set me free. So this is the foundation of worship. Because now we're going to understand it a bit more. Um, Psalms 8, I don't know if you know that this is in the Bible. Psalms 8 verse, uh, I think it's around 2 and 3, basically says, God inhabits the praises of His people. Think about that for a moment. The actual word, is like God and thrones himself into your praises. Other Hebrew meaning speaks of the Lord God twirls around with joy when he hears your praise and he comes into your praise. Something powerful about us praising God, God comes. Even as we worship this morning, praise God from our worship and singing and dancing and kneeling and sitting and lying down and some of us were crying. It was beautiful. People weeping, people crying, people joyful. What was happening? God was coming down, and you sense His presence. And sometimes it's like, I've never felt this before. What is this? And you're overcome with emotion. So many people walk into this, not just because of this building, because we're here, into this place where we're here worshiping God. People just weep and cry because they don't even know what is it. Why am I overcome? Because of the presence of God. Because He's here. Now, He's here because He said He'd be here. That's another important thing. Because if you worship God because of your feelings, you, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna say things like, God, come here. When God already said, whenever two or, me, two or more people are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of you. God already said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So when we say, God, come here, we're probably talking out of our feelings. I don't feel you. It doesn't mean God's not here. Big difference. We can't just judge God's presence just from our feelings. It's a very small part of you. Does that make sense? I can feel God's presence. I can feel God's peace. I can feel God, God's favor and not my feelings not necessarily get involved. So eventually they do, but that's not what is our dictator. It doesn't dictate to us whether God's here or not. So if you, if you look at 2 Chronicles 20, it's a powerful example of King Jehoshaphat, who was the king of Judah and four different... Nations gathered around to attack him. So, let me read in verse one just quickly, just to give you a quick picture. It happened after this that the people of Moab, with the people of Ammon, and others with them, besides the Ammonites—that's three already—and others with them, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, "A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazon Tamar." Which is Engedi, and Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim the fast throughout all Judah. So, so it's like us saying, let me, if I can, just bring it in our context, just to get us a, a little bit real with this, what's happening here. It's like saying, thank God will never happen. But I'm just saying, imagine if somehow we got an alarm and a, and and, and um, media started saying that all of the countries that are above us were coming down by ship, coming to hit Cairns. And Darwin, and coming into our land, and they were, they were making them, their way into Sydney. And it's not maybe that's happening. We're talking about, let's say, 500,000 troops were coming down to Sydney, and we know they're on their way here. What would Sydney do? Thank God our prime minister will probably say, let's pray. Let's call on God. But this is what Jehoshaphat did. He, he, he basically called a fast and told everyone, mothers, children, and parents, and, and, and elderly, and everyone, let's seek God, let's fast, let's seek God for His help. Now, when I, I, I do want to say, when I looked at Jehoshaphat's life, he was worshipping God anyway. He was, his testimony was that he sought God with all his heart. And you find that in Second uh, uh, Chronicles 19, it talks about that in verse 3, that uh, he prepared his heart to seek God. So he had always, he's a type of king that was seeking God. So this wasn't ever out of response of, we're in need, we're in trouble. He, he was consistently seeking God. And therefore, because the problems came, he said, I'm going to seek God. Okay? So it's a, I think it's a good foundation. And so, basically, he starts to seek God with all the, all the inhabitants of Judah. And as they sought the Lord and they were seeking God, praising and worshiping, prophets started to pick up the heart of God. So what's happening when you're seeking God? What does the worship do? Does it change God's mind in the, in the sense that, oh, I don't want to set you free? I want you. See, God didn't want them to be um, captured. He didn't want them to be killed. He wanted them to be free. He gave them the promised land. He didn't want the enemy to come in and kill them all, did he? So we know God's will is he wants them to be delivered. Now they're seeking God to find out, God, what do we do? Most, most of them, if they knew God, they would know God wants us to be free. But how are we going to do this? How's it going to happen? They had to find out God's will. The prophets started to pick up the heart of God and said this. This is the message they heard from God because this is God's perspective about the situation. He basically says, you don't have to fight in this battle. Tell them they don't have to fight in this battle because this battle is the Lord's. That's what they got. What? We don't have to fight. Usually we have to go out and fight. Says, but you will have to meet Him. You will have to gather your army and go out to the field. They had to obey God for God to do the deliverance and a massive breakthrough of freedom from from four or five different nations that were going to kill them. They had to obey. Now, my my thoughts are this. Just I want you to understand the heart of God because it's really important. You're going to apply it to your personal life. If they didn't turn to God in this incident of of massive, massive uh, trial where they feel that we're going to get killed. I believe with all my heart if they didn't turn to God, and they just got reacted in the flesh and reacted in fear and reacted in, in, in our, our might, our strength is going to save us and our army is going to save us. Well, have all the army. Come on, we've got to go out and meet them. And if they did that without seeking God, personally, I believe they would have been defeated. And it wasn't God's will for them to be defeated. Does that make sense? God's will is in His heart, but we have to obey Him for His freedom to come. God didn't want them to be defeated, but if they reacted in the flesh and in the fear of man and go, and they could have even, we'll stay here, let's go into the cities, let's wall up our walls, then the, the, the fight would have come to their families. So God said to them, if you're going to win this fight, you have to go to them, but you're not going to fight. Go to them, for this battle is the Lord's. They really believed the battle was the Lord's. But they still got the army out. This is, this is when it gets really, really, uh, what's the word, um, out of this world, really. It is out of this world. Because Jehoshaphat heard the word from the prophets and said, okay, we're going to get the instruments. We're going to get the worshippers. The, 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 the Levites are the worshippers. Bring the praises. Bring them at the front of the army and let them sing, Great is the Lord, for His mercy endures forever. The way we were singing. Imagine if we got in front of the army, we're about to gonna hit the army, and we're singing songs. It's easy to sing songs in this situation. Imagine going to war. Imagine you're about to fight the enemy. The war. They got they got weaponry and you're singing, Great is the Lord for his mercy and Jews forever. He's they're thinking about God. They're thinking about God, you're going to deliver us. You are great. We don't know how you're going to deliver us, but you're going to deliver us. We don't know how it's going to happen, but you told us we didn't have to fight. Praise it, great is the Lord for his mercy and Jews. They have music, instruments, the, you know, guitar, It's this happening. It's freaky. If I, was a, if I was in the army, I'd go, what are we doing? What are they praising for? We're going to get ready for war. But God said, you won't have to fight. And the Bible says, if you pick it up in verse, in verse 21, it says, And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of his holiness. What are they praising for? They're not praising to be delivered. They're praising the beauty of His holiness. As they went out before the army and were saying, so the army was there, but they went out before the army, praise the Lord for His mercy endures forever. Now, listen, this is it. Now when, everybody say when. When they began to sing, not before and not even after, just when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord sent ambushes, against the people of Ammon, Moab, Mount Siah, and who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. The Lord, when they started praising, the Lord sent ambushes. and Ambushes is pretty much a word that is to lurk in ambushment, to lurk in the bush. So I don't know whether they were just raiders. You know, in those days, there would have been a lot of you know, people that would raid other Groups of people traveling and take all their belongings. And so I don't know whether there's a group of people within the area that were, let's attack part of the army so we can spoil them. Or if it was actually angels that came down that looked like army. We don't know. It doesn't say that in the Bible. But we know that the Lord sent ambushments. And what happened is when people come out of the bush to attack the army, Mount Sinai or, or Ammon and Ammonites thought, because you remember they made, they made an agreement, let's attack Jehoshaphat. Do you want to work together to attack them? They go, yeah, yeah. So they thought they were getting betrayed. They thought as soon as people came out to attack them, they go, ah, and they all got scared and all got fearful. Fear took over them. They all started fighting each other. War broke out amongst the enemies. They started killing each other. And when they finally killed each other, it says the rest finished off each other to the point that everyone was dead. I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of people. There would have been hundreds of thousands of people dead, slaughtered in a massive hill. And as the Bible says, they will, praise the Lord as His mercy endures forever. They're going over the hill. And as they go over, the army's coming to, to meet the army that's from Judah. As they get over and they see, could you imagine the view? What? The Lord said we didn't have to fight in this battle. And they're all dead. That's supernatural. That's God fighting on our behalf. The Bible says they took the spoil of the army, the jewelry, the silver, and the earrings, and all the belongings they had. It took them three whole days to bring it back. That's a lot of spoil. I'm thinking, why are they carrying all that wealth and all that money with them? I don't know. Maybe that's what you do when you travel. You travel with caravans. You travel with everything because it's so far. But they spoiled them. And they had a lot of wealth from all them. And they took it all back. Man, what a celebration Judah would have had. When they went back to Judah, back to the safety of their city. It tells me a lot because it's, wow, to praise God in the middle, to obey God, to trust God in the middle of a war. Because you don't feel like it. It's not the band there. I don't feel like singing a song right now. Our life's at risk. We could be slaughtered in a moment, but God said, praise the Lord. Jehoshaphat said, get the singers out. We're going to praise God. We're going to worship God, but I feel like it. I don't really feel the emotion right now. I don't feel really. When I feel it, I give Him worship. But right now, I don't know. Remember, He's worthy of our worship, regardless of how we feel, or regardless of our circumstances. Now, it's all over the Bible. In Paul, uh, you know, the Acts chapter sixteen, verse twenty-five. This is Paul and Silas. Now, they're doing the work of God. They're traveling from city to city, planting churches, doing great revivals. And, and they go to Philippi because God gave Paul a vision about Philippi in a, in a dream. He saw a, a man saying, come to Macedonia. So they, they go over and, a, and a, a servant girl that's a slave to people that owned her used to fortune tell and made their owners a lot of money, more than one owner. So she would predict people's futures and all that sort of stuff, and then they'd pay money for it. And this servant girl, when they saw Paul and the guys, they said, this is, these are the servants of the Most High God who tell us the way of salvation. This is what she said. I mean, that's a pretty good advertisement. The devil's advertising for God. But it kept, she kept saying that day after day, Paul got agitated and just said this, in the name of Jesus, come out of her. And the spirit that was working in her, got, came out. she came back to her normal self, and then the, they got agitated because they lost their money. They got angry. They took them into the magistrates. They dragged them. They beat them. They, they whipped them 39 lashes. Their backs are laying bare. They had no right to do this. It was, it was a public, um, a, uh, public uh, scourging. Publicly, they scourged them without a trial, and Paul was a Roman citizen. Well, they broke the law as a city under the Roman rule. They should not have done that. They sh- they, they, they'd be trouble, but they did it. Then they, because of these people that had power and they lost their way of uh, making money or fortune, they got thrown in the prison in Philippi. As the Bible says here, let me just quickly read it to you. And when they had laid many stripes on them, that's whipping, they threw them into the prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison, that's the dungeons, the dungeon of that prison, and fastened their feet in the stocks, That means they were chained, they they had um, these chains that that would rust on your skin. You've got to totally change your thinking of what a prison is back in the early 2000 years ago, early century of when uh, Paul walked the earth. It was disgusting. Like to go in prison, especially in the inner prison, there was no lights. So pitch, pitch, pitch up, pitch black, darkness, chained so you can't move. So your limbs get tired. I mean, now it would either be hot or cold because there's no air conditioning. I'm sorry. You're not going to get air conditioning in our prisons. It's stinking. It's smelly, rotten, damp. Probably rats are running around. I'm I'm serious. If someone died, a lot of them died in prison because they wouldn't get fed by the people. Unless you had family and friends, you don't get food. So if you're a poor prisoner, you don't get food, you die. And if you die, they pick you up and put you in the pile of in the corner until you can get picked up by others. So they, they'll pile up the dead and it's just rotten. It's, it's bad. This is not looking good. You're in jail and I'm hungry. They don't feed you. Now, Paul and Silas are hungry. They're, they're, they're being, their, whips, their, their back has been ripped apart with 39 lashes. It stinks. I'm hungry. Everything against them. Comfortability. There's nothing. And I don't know, like if I was Paul and Silas, I don't know if we're going to get out of here. I don't know if he's going to leave us here to rot. They don't know the future for sure. The Bible says, I don't know if you don't know the story, but the Bible says, but at midnight, middle of the night, Paul and Silas, I don't know how they come to this, were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were, prisoners were listening to them. Prisoners are there too. Sometimes they chain them to the other prisoners. And so maybe at 11 o'clock, maybe Paul nudges Silas, Silas, are you awake? Yeah, I'm awake. How are you feeling? Oh, I'm okay. I'm awake. I'm awake. Yes, did you, see that little, did you see that lady? Did you see her face when we set her free from the demon? Oh, yeah, that was so worth it, wasn't it? How good is it to serve God? That's so awesome. Uh, you know, like they started to say, isn't God amazing? Yes, God's so good. Why don't we just worship Him? Why don't we sing songs to Him? Nothing to do with their feelings. Nothing to do with their circumstances. Actually, circumstances completely rotten. It can't get any worse, I don't think. And they go, you know what? God's still good regardless. They didn't have a theology that if I lost everything, God did it. Why did God let this happen? Why? Why did He let this? God didn't let it happen. People have a free will. They understood that. God remains good even though they were thrown in prison. Oh, but God, if you love me, you would have protected me. He does love you. But He had to give people a free will and people that are wicked and evil are free to make a decision, which they did, and they got persecuted unjustly, unfairly you know wouldn't you feel unfair and unjust I can't believe they could have been Silas. Are not you angry I'm angry can't believe they did this it has your back oh it's killing me oh mate, it doesn't it stick yeah man it sticks are you hungry I'm starving well, you reckon we're gonna get out of here I don't know if we're gonna get out of here I don't think so we, we could we could write here for you know man what's where's God where, what did God let this happen for I don't know what you, you told me to come follow you um, I mean that can get you can get so negative so upset who feels like worshiping God so you, they had a theology, an understand, when I say theology, they had an understanding of God that no matter what happens to us, God is always good. This is so important. It's important when you get persecuted. It's important if you go to countries to preach the gospel, they take you and throw you in prison and bash you. Can you love the persecutor? Can you look in his eyes and realize this guy's lost, he doesn't know any better? And still have love in your heart even though they've tortured you. That's understanding the gospel. That's understanding Christ. It's so easy to preach up here. But you've got to live it when you face that. I believe this. I told a few weeks ago when I first started this series how when my dad died, we had a heart attack. I tried to bring him back to life, tried to raise him from the dead and everything. I tried to do resuscitation, it didn't work, nothing worked. So I went into the bedroom, I started praising God, worshiping God. My dad just died. My mum followed. My brother, my, my my sister wasn't there; she was at school. My brother came and followed. We just worshiping God, not because He died, because God remains good, and we continue to worship each night. The church, people, our brothers and sisters, would come to our, our home, and we would worship God. Then at church, the next Sunday, we were praising, worshiping God. Not because, oh, what did God let that happen? Why did He die fifty-five? How could He just drop dead like that and just gone? No, God remains good. God didn't change. I, I really believe the devil comes to steal to kill, to destroy. This is what Jesus said. But Jesus says, but I've come to give life, life more abundantly. And so when my mum passed away, saw her suffer with cancer for two years, we continued to praise God and worship God. I didn't have to have time off ministry. I kept preaching. Why? Because God remains good. God didn't take my mum. God never gave my mum sickness. I know that. Do you understand? Like it's, when you know the truth, it's like, okay, this is the right foundation. It makes you strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So, so Paul and Silas, in the in the natural, had no reason to worship God except God is worthy. God is magnificently worthy and wonderful and great and worthy to be praised. And as they praised and as they worshiped, as they sang off in the prisoners are freaking out. And they must have walked into the prison full of f- joy in their faces and just and different. This is different. These aren't complaining. These aren't whinging. These guys are different. And the jailer must have freaked out, but he had to do his job. And then the Bible says, as they... I'll read it, just in case you don't believe me. I'm not trying to twist it. Look, let me read it. It says, But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, not, not slightly, but suddenly there was a great earthquake... So that the foundation of the prisons was shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loose. I personally believe angels came down from heaven. This is what I believe happened. They can't see that in the the natural. Angels shook that prison to the core. Foundations moved so much that doors come off their hinges and swung open. The prison doors opened up. Chains must have come off the walls and they're all set free. All because of praise and worship. The jailer, when he wakes up, he fell asleep. He shouldn't have been asleep. But when he wakes up, he literally th- he thinks, oh, no, everyone's escaped. He sees the doors are open. The Bible says he put his sword out ready to kill himself. He'd rather die than face the, 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 the attack of the Romans. Because if, you, if, if prisoners escape at your watch, they'll kill you for sure. They'll find out why. Why did you fall asleep? And then you're dead by their hands. He thought, I have a better, it would be more merciful for me to die at my hands. He's going to have to kill himself. It's how serious his job was. And Paul goes, no, no, we're all here. Don't do yourself any harm. Then they called for lights. It shows you it was pitch black. They had to call the, you know, the torches in or the candles, whatever they had, the lamps, lamps. And as they called in, switch on the light and all the electricity. No, LED lights came on. No. <laughs> but, you know, we just forget the world they're living in. They had to call in. It was pitch black. How would you like to be in jail with a murderer with a killer with, with bad people all over you and you're just you're just in there and it's pitch black can't see anything to people you lose their mind in those sort of prisons they would lose their mind and and i love the fact that in that context it got god's attention in that environment so, like the praise that come out of them, because of the understanding of God, the praise that come out changed the atmosphere. The atmosphere was changed by their praise. God inhabits the atmosphere. Angels started coming. Bang! It broke open. Then it changed the natural world. Their chains were broken. Remember what we read? He's worthy to be praised and so shall I be saved from my enemies. The power of praise. Because we do it for the right reason, it's powerful. So effective. God sets us free. Imagine if, again, when you do it because you love God, because, you up, because you're connected to God, He sets you free. There's, um, I just want to show you something in Psalm 67. Psalm 67, really quickly, because it's so powerful. It is throughout the whole Bible. Um, Psalm 67. Look at um, even Jericho. Like, they didn't praise or sing songs. It shows you the point. They shouted. And the walls came down. But they had to obey God. Again, God gave them the city. He says, I've given you the city. But they had to get the city through obeying God. They can't do it in themselves. I think if they just thought, you know, what do you reckon, Joshua? I don't know. I'm just coming on my own plan. I think, what do you want? Let's attack it at nighttime. Let's, I don't know, throw arrows to those guys up there. I reckon they'll never get the city without God's help. They had to find out God's strategy. They had to find out, what, what, is, what do you say, God? And so when God said, walk around the city seven times, but don't say a word to each other, don't speak, that was God's instruction. So they had to walk around the whole city, it looks a bit weird, as an army with the trumpets. And imagine if they, they're supposed to not talk, but imagine if they disobeyed God and started talking. Why are we doing this? I don't know why we're doing this. This is ridiculous. We're supposed to walk around, and I don't know. This is what Joshua told us to do. We're supposed to walk around, it's supposed to fall. Well, I don't know if it's supposed to fall. Did he really say it was going to fall? I'm not too sure. I'm just supposed to walk around. We're well, you t- just going to obey Joshua. They didn't talk, but imagine if they did talk, I reckon it would release unbelief and it wouldn't have happened. They had to obey God for it to break and open. Then they obeyed God. We know the story. Now, what, again, what I'm trying to say is God wanted them for, to, to, wanted to take over the city because it was an evil city and take over the land. And He wanted them to be free and protected. If they had to do it God's way, and it would happen. But if they did it their way, it wouldn't happen. But it doesn't mean it wasn't God's will. It just means it wouldn't happen. That's true of our life. God wants to bring you into freedom, into joy, into His presence, into His love, but it has to be done in obedience to God. And if we disobey God and it doesn't happen, it's not because God doesn't want it to happen. Does that make sense? Psalm 67, look what it says. God, be merciful to us and bless us. Cause His face or your face to shine upon us. Isn't that beautiful? So that you may be known on the earth. When God's face shines on us, God's, God will be known on the earth. Your salvation among all nations. God's salvation will be known to the nations when His face shines on us. That's His presence. That literally means the word that we use for presence. When God's face shines on us. Let the people, look at this, let the peoples praise You, O God. Let all the people praise You. O let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For You shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on the earth. Let the people praise You, O God. Let the people praise You. Then... That's the key word. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us and all the ends of the earth shall fear Him. Why? Because the praise is going up to heaven. When we praise, there's something powerful about praise, praise, praise. It says, then the earth shall yield her increase. What increase do we want the earth to yield? Fruit for His kingdom, souls. The, the, the earth will yield the increase. That's how I read it. I know 100% that's what it means. It will yield souls for His kingdom when we praise God. There's something powerful about praise. It releases. It's almost, I believe it's almost like we create channels, like channels, if, if that's a good way to say it, or pathways or highways or, you know, it, it connects you to heaven. So heaven can release angels back and forth, back and forth. We know that there was a ladder in the Old Testament. Jacob saw angels going up to, through the ladder, Jacob's ladder, and coming back down. Ascending to heaven and descending. Angels are very um, powerful beings and they can work on your behalf when we stay focused. So easy to get negative, isn't it? So easy to get negative with our life and not think of the good that God has done and is. This is who He is. Stay focused on how great He is in the middle of your your prison. Because if you do that with the right heart, your prison gets set free. Let me read one last um, psalm as we bring this to a close. Um, and, and a couple of stories, just so you hear the heart of God, just please um, understand the heart of God. Hezekiah, the king, served God most of his life, did some great things for God. And um, near the end of his life, Hezekiah, I'll give you the scripture and we'll have it on our um, on our app. Um, Hezekiah, standing in Isaiah, where do I put it? There is, Isaiah 38, verse 1 to 5, talks about King, Uzziah, King Hezekiah getting a message from Isaiah, the prophet, and says, you are going to die. Your life is going to be cut short, you're going to die. And uh, when Hezekiah gets that message, he cries out to God, falls on his face and cries out to God and says, God, be merciful, God, forgive me, God. He repents before God, basically. So, so think about this, Isaiah finds out the will of God, when I say the will of God, what's going to happen because of his life of, his life of obedience or lack of thereof this is going to happen but he prays and repents and God says I'll give him 15 more years because of his response if he didn't respond that way he was going to die but he changes his heart he says God I repent I'm sorry for what I've done because he actually he was showing the enemy all the great um, treasures of the temple and he shouldn't have can you hear what I'm saying did it change God's mind See, something was about to happen because of our lack of obedience. But as a a guy changed his heart, what God wanted to do took place. I'll give you 15 more years because of your heart changed. Does that make sense? It's all throughout the Bible. It's all throughout the Bible like this. So many. King Saul. God chose King Saul. But because he disobeyed God and didn't listen to the prophets, the Bible says, now I will take the kingdom away from you because your disobedience. It's not that God wanted to take the kingdom away. He didn't obey. God chose him in the beginning. True? Psalms 149, are you there? Psalms 149. Let's just read this. This is so powerful. I want you to catch this. Um, We'll pick it up from, well, let's read the whole Psalm. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. Isn't that beautiful? That to me speaks of, from your heart, a new song, from relationship, something that's fresh, something that's new to you, something that you to tell Him, something that's coming out of Revelation. And His praise in the assemblies of the saints. Let Israel rejoice in their Maker. Let the children of Zion, that's us, be joyful in their King. Let them praise His name with the dance. So dancing is from the Bible. You can dance unto God and to God. Let them sing praises to Him with timbrel and harp guitar, 10-string instruments, with the harp is a stringed instrument. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people, he will beautify the humble with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory, let them sing aloud on their beds, sing aloud on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth. That word high praises of God actually means exalted high praises. I don't know how to explain it, except that when you're just giving your all to God, you're pouring your heart, and it's, it's not just oh, how's it going, God? I love you, God. But your high. is Beautiful. to. It's, singing is one of the greatest ways of doing that. Singing in the Spirit is one of the greatest ways of doing that. Because you bypass your mind and you're singing in the tongues, you're singing in the Spirit to God. The high, there's something powerful about the high praises of God. When you forget yourself, forget your circumstance, forget everything else, you're, like, you're in prison, you don't care about the prisoners next to you, and you sing high praises to God. It's that sort of praise. Look at what it says. It is a two-edged sword in their hand. What's it going to do? A two-edged sword. Think of that your praise being a two-edged sword. It's a sword coming out of your mouth. It's a two-edged sword in your hand to execute vengeance, vengeance on the nations and punishments on the peoples. To bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. So as you praise, you're executing judgment on the enemy. Chain up the enemy, says to execute on them the written judgment. This honor have all his saints. Let me read it quickly in the Passion Translation. The last part I need need you to see this God's high and holy praises fill their mouths, for their shouted praise are their weapons of war. Think about it. Your, 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 was it say shouted? Yes. Your shouted praise are weapons of war. In the middle of your, your dad just died, when I praised, I don't know how he did it. He brought healing. When my mom passed away and I kept worshiping God regardless, he brought healing. I don't have to understand it, but he was using my praise and worship as a two-edged sword. And look what it says here. These war, warring weapons will bring vengeance on every opposing force and every resistant power. I'll say it again. These warring weapons, what warring weapons? Your mouth, praising God, is a warring weapon. If we don't praise God in all circumstances, we don't have our weapon, weaponry working. To bind this is what happens to bind the kings with chains and rulers with iron shackles. Praise filled warriors will enforce the judgment doomed, decreed against the enemies. This is the glorious honor he gives to all his godly lovers. Godly lovers. You're a godly lover this is the honor He gives you that when you worship and praise God He fights on your behalf He defeats the enemy because we worship Him because He's worthy to be praised Amen my encouragement to us as a people as a church as a family is worship God all the time when things are good when things are bad if things are going not your way worship God anyway be consistent don't change your praise and worship to Him based on it's easier to worship God when you won the lottery I'm going to praise God because of this no praise him all the time amen let's pray father we thank you for your amazing amazing greatness amazing goodness we worship you you're wonderful you're glorious i thank you that the word of god has been released because it's in your word and it's touched our hearts because your word does that it never returns to your void it would accomplish what you sent it to do it will prosper in the thing that you sent it change us transform us to never be the same give us all the inner strength to worship you all the time like paul and silas like the children of judah with jehoshaphat's leadership lord that we will worship you because you are worthy to be praised we thank you for that in jesus name amen amen amen. god is good you've been listening to the ggc life podcast we hope this message has encouraged you For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.